because of supply chain issues and a variety of other things, there is a looming sriracha shortage coming. Oh, you don't say. You know, with the rooster on the bottle, it's made with red jalapenos imported from Mexico. But the shortage is coming. Like, do we care? Do we have a lot of people or is it just hipsters? I did a quick Google and I did find an article, How to Survive the Sriracha Shortage on eater.com. And the obvious choice they say are that there are other Sriracha brands. So everybody calm down. They say if all else fails, literally any hot sauce you like. Just because you want the the bottle with the, was like a green top or whatever and the rooster on it. I think you'll survive. In case you're ever concerned about just wanting that green tip bottle with the rooster, don't worry. There is on Amazon a Sriracha floaty available that you can get for your pool. You can still be cool and still have one of those bottles at your house. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to episode number 287 of Touchpoint. Over there on the other side of the microphone in um, Paul Revere's land, it's Chris Boyer. That's right. I'm recording from Massachusetts today. I'm here for the week. I'm doing some work with my health system, but never fear, there is sriracha nearby, so I'm I'm good to go. I thought you were maybe there because you uh, had a tip on the uh, paintings that are missing from the uh, museum, the Gardner Museum. Refer back to an earlier episode. Yeah, that was a callback. It's what we like to call a callback in the industry. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, welcome back for another episode of Touchpoint. Quick plug for our website, touchpoint.health. If you will, navigate over there. You'll notice something up in the top-hand navigation there called the TPS report. Click on that. It'll ask you for your email address. Really, all you have to do is give us your email address, and all we're going to do is give you one email a week. And that email is a little newsletter. It comes out on Monday mornings or at the beginning of the week with a couple of articles to kick your week off. So I uh, hope we find that helpful. You can also dig around the site, check out some of the other shows, some of the other episodes, all that kind of fun stuff. But we'll pause here and let you do that again, touchpoint.health, and then we'll be back with today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you.
you know, just prior to the break, Reed, you were saying I uh, get people to go out to look at our website at all the different episodes that we have out there. Today's topic that we're going to talk about in our episode about the digital front door is one that we've visited on the show a few times before. We've done four episodes around the digital front door to date. And then there are two other shows that have done digital front door related episodes. Must be a hot topic, huh? Hot topic. Yes. Uh, my favorite store in the mall. <laughs> yeah. So we, we have, uh, as you mentioned, touched on this for previous times all the way back in 2018, October of 2018, to be exact, back in episode 90. So right at 200 episodes ago, enter through the digital front door. We followed that up in August of 2020. So just a couple of years later. With episode 183, the digital front door is neither the front nor a door, um, which you know kind of chimes in what we're going to talk about today a little bit. Mm-hmm. January of 21, right in the heart of the pandemic, when one digital front door closes, another opens. And then finally, episode 247, October of 21, the digital revolving door. You would think that we are done talking about this topic. Going back to the well, one more 10. Because all of those episodes, in effect, we came to the same conclusion at the end of those episodes. One, that the digital front door is, first of all, an overused term. Clearly, we're using it a lot here. It means a lot of different things to different hospitals. Mm -hmm. It's often not a front door, nor is it digital. I think we, we kind of aligned on the fact that the call center could be part of this for sure, and offline experiences support this. It's incredibly important to our customers and to the consumers that we service, but it's still very, very hard to define. So let me get this straight. Super important, but we don't know what it is. It's not a front door, nor is it digital only, as uh, the term may indicate. Uh, <laughs> means different things to everybody, and we overuse it. So there we are. That brings us up to speed. And uh, we will dive into a couple more articles today, however, and and kind of pontificate on this. Chris, you and I both have spent a lot of time here in recent days and weeks and months because of our, our day jobs digging into this and looking at this, evaluating where our you know two organizations kind of fall on the spectrum you know, even prior to uh, me joining Ardent, when I was at Gerard, I did a digital maturity survey, which we talked about here on the show a couple of different times. A lot of which was the attempt to kind of measure the level of maturity that you found yourself around the t- around the uh, the idea of digital, right? Which is some of this. So it's like kind of where are you on this spectrum? So again, it's something that we'll continue to evaluate and look at. And so just thought it would be good to uh, revisit and we will probably do it again. We'll probably do a sixth episode of this. And I think the thing we're going to try to get at, Reed, today is that one of the reasons why it gets so difficult to define and so overused is I think that we're kind of thinking about it the wrong way. A lot of times we think about this as a technology solution. Yet, in effect, I'm starting to think through all the work that I've been doing on our digital front door, it's less about the technology and it's more about the overall experience. What do, what's your perspective on that? I like that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think everything that we're doing now is experience-based, right? That's how people are evaluating their satisfaction uh, around any particular part of their life is based on the experience that they had. 
how convenient was it for me to order from Chick-fil-A? Well, very, because I like the app. And, you know, I don't have to talk to anybody. We've talked about this before. You can skip the line, so to speak. And you know, anyway, it's just a good experience, right? So here recently, I had a chance to attend and visit some of the folks from Forrester. They were here in Nashville for a, a CX conference. And uh, I was talking to one of their, their uh, researchers, and he was talking about some of the work that he was doing. And they had moved on from this idea of like, well, what's the next, next best action, which I know we've talked about that some on the show, and started talking about the next best experience, right? Ooh. So again, you know, how are we measuring satisfaction? Well, it's based on the experience that you have. That's, we've done it for years relative to patient satisfaction, employee satisfaction, physician satisfaction, things like that. That's really interesting to think about. Well, let's keep that in the back of our mind as we kind of go through some of the things that we kind of prepared and we were looking through. Resources that you and I have both looked at over the last couple of months that we've been working and thinking about our own digital front door. Let's dive into class digital front door report. Uh, We all know class, K-L-A-S. In the end of 2021, they released the digital front door 2021 report, where they actually asked a number of market leaders in healthcare to help to define what the digital front door is. All right, sweet. So we're going to get some answers. All right, here we go. Organizations have various ideas about what the digital front door is, and their strategies often differ. Okay, I don't like how this is starting. (laughs) I felt like we were going to have more cohesion here. But they do say, however, that all respondents, uh, but one identified the core of their digital front door strategy is helping patients find and arrange needed care. All right. Find and arrange needed care. So this includes capabilities such as like search, appointment, self-scheduling, check-in, registration, you know, even things like virtual visits. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of aligns with sort of where I'm focusing our digital front door efforts in partnership with others and our organization. We're kind of looking at that part of that. But if we go further, half of the people that responded to that survey indicated that the digital front door also extends to patient acquisition through digital marketing efforts. Now, that's also part of our approach. Uh, Is it the same in in your organization? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to completely move away from the idea of service line-based campaigns and acquisition campaigns. It may vary. You know, we have a bunch of markets kind of scattered around the country, so obviously we're going to have some variation between you know, what's needed in uh, New Jersey versus Tyler, Texas versus Albuquerque, you know, Tulsa, et cetera, or whatever. But finally, one quarter say the digital front door efforts continue after the patient visit or even the discharge. Hmm. So what I'm hearing is that it's not just the digital front door, it's leading people to the digital front door And then it's what happens after they go through the digital front door. So I think we're almost back to where we started, Reed, where we're like, wait a second, is this a front door? Are we? I mean, if we go back to last October, we called it the digital revolving door. Okay, so let's jump into the kind of the 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 meat of this this report, where they outline various technologies that all the people that they surveyed identified as parts of their strategy. Because I know people want to, it's like, okay, yeah, great, super, but like, let's get, okay, smash cut to the uh, technology piece of this or the the features, if you will. Sometimes the first one, patient portals. So all respondents use their EMR vendors patient portal and see as key 
to that front door. So some build additional, you know, apps or web pages or something like that, that kind of layer on top of that maybe. And, and that, you know, this is how it could even be a tripping point, quite honestly, on like how good the experience is because you're using something that you don't fully control sometimes. But anyway, patient portals, first one. Yeah, well, they even say that patient adoption is a barrier with this. Another element, technology element of the digital front door is telehealth, virtual visits. So obviously adoption skyrocketed during COVID. And most respondents, this is at the end of 2021, they they indicated they look first to their EMR vendor or partnerships that the EMR vendors have with telemedicine companies as being their virtual health provider. Some of the things that we're looking at the virtual and telehealth space to solve is not just even a patient encounter. You know, it's workforce optimization or something like that. So anyway. That's another topic for another day. Next one on the list, provider search. So this is a very common one. I think that a lot of people go to vendors for, right? Their physician directory, if you will, on their website is not very good and they need a better one. They need a better mousetrap, right? So nearly everybody they say that, that, that they talk to have the capability in place today. Most of these organizations say create custom website tools, you know, searchable provider directories, but they lack the matching capability. I think what we've done historically is we've built a lot of these things, and this is one example, we've built these things uh, relative to how we think they should be, not how the consumer might be thinking. I'll talk about the next two because they're kind of related to each other. First is self-registration check-ins. Historically, like when people you know show up at organizations or self-service kiosks near the registration desk, well, what they're doing now is they're kind of adopting this registration or check-in even prior to showing up in person. And that was, of course, facilitated, accelerated by COVID. You see that a lot also in urgent cares where you can kind of phone ahead, so to speak, or get your place in line. Also is this appointment self-scheduling thing, right? which is you know one of the most common aspects and mentioned in this, art, in this survey that they did like significantly. Adoption of, of appointment self-scheduling is high, but system-wide self-scheduling is less common the uh, survey found out because it's hindered by governance and physician reluctance to open up their schedules. Oftentimes, when you start down the digital front door with self-scheduling, it begins with a specific department or specific use cases like primary care or COVID vaccine scheduling. And the last thing they indicate here is that usage is largely supported by the EMR vendor's scheduling capabilities through the portal. Again, that's kind of reinforces that use of the portal as part of the digital front door play. I'm going to also pick off a couple of them here that I feel like, I don't know if they really go together per se, but they're, they're similar-ish. You know, one is bill pay. So again, I, you know, how easy is it? How, you know, how are we making these things easy? You know, you get the EOB in the mail. It's like, how do you know what to pay? And there's a lot of vendors out there kind of playing in this space, you know, where based on some AI and so, some other algorithms, knowing who you are, you know, do they prompt you with a payment plan versus just a prepay? You know, there's all kinds of things relative to bill pay, you know, that are floating around in the, in the space right now. The other one is uh, price transparency or like a cost estimator, right? So we've seen a lot of this in the news and the need to have these things on our websites over the last couple of years. Uh, they say about two thirds of the respondents have transparency tools in place or on the roadmap for the rest of the folks. 
the continued hesitancy, they say, about the impact of price transparency tools because of the variation of insurance coverage is where we run into some issues here. So it's like it, it becomes really difficult to say, here's how much this thing costs, because it may not cost that to you out of your pocket. This is why so many people in so many organizations have defaulted to kind of whatever the minimum regulatory requirement has been is because they're throwing some file format up on the website that quite honestly nobody can download, knows how to use and stuff like that. It just becomes really convoluted on, hey, I, you know, I need a partial knee replacement. How much is that going to cost? Well, all right, what insurance do you have? You know, it's like you almost have to talk to somebody to kind of navigate through some of this. So. Absolutely. Okay. So the last couple of ones here that we're going to talk about are ones that are not as frequently used, but they have been recognized in the study as being part of digital front door strategies. Patient education, help patients prepare for appointments and procedures. That includes like self-triage, maybe educational materials before or after discharge and delivering them digitally. And most of the people use the EMR vendor to help deliver this content. A couple of other things on here, pre-visit communications and appointment reminders. We're seeing more and more of that come from the clinical operations space to include folks like us in marketing because so much of that's happening through like SMS, right? Or push notifications, things like that. Really a, a big opportunity, I think, for a lot of folks. The patient access center or call center is, okay, here's, here's a digital front door solution that's not digital per se, but having an access center there. And it could include a chatbot, they indicate, right? That could be part of this. But the chatbot is really the interface to the patient access center. Uh, People behind the scenes to kind of help with cost estimations, to really to reduce friction for patients to find the right care. While two-thirds have indicated this is important, integrating it into the digital front door strategy is a challenge. Another very popular one in recent uh, years has been the chat bot. Also something they have called out on here is kind of the symptom checker triage kind of scenario, which I, I am seeing a lot of vendors in the chat bot space do that. This chat bot in a very simplest form is maybe an alternate way to navigate the website, right? It picks up on the keyword, something about your bill or something and directs you to a page on the website about bill pay or financial services or charity care or whatever it is. But we are navigating based on what people are telling us through kind of a triage symptom checker, answer Q&A decision tree, right? And then ultimately to, to your earlier point, the access center, could hand off to a live agent at some point. And then last but not least, they indicate referral management as a digital tool, but it was the least adopted. Using referral management tools, they typically turn to an EMR vendor. Now, when we get into referral management, now we're talking about from physician referring to other physicians. And not surprisingly, that's even in in my experience, that's one of the, the most challenging and probably the least automated solution that I've seen out there. I agree. It's an interesting one, but almost starts to pull in a different department a lot of times, you know, your physician sales and outreach folks or something like that. You know, we just spent the whole first half of this show, Reed, talking about technologies of a digital front door. When we come back after the break, let's go further and talk a little bit about how it's extending past the technology and getting into this experience world. We'll do that right after this brief pause. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. 
In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Matson of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. All right. Enough of the uh, technology talk. Now, we'll, we'll keep talking about technology, I'm sure. But <laughs> we're going to move uh, move along. Uh, League.com has a has an article, uh, a post called The Evolution of the Digital Front Door in Healthcare that they've uh, put out recently. And so I think this is a kind of an interesting take and kind of thought process around what is it and how is maybe our definition maybe will help us answer some of the questions on why nobody can tell us what this is. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll jump in. Well, it starts off with says that for years the term digital front door has been used to describe bring systems and point solutions together into one easy to access digital location for healthcare consumers. But that type of platform doesn't exist. If it does, sometimes they think the portal can do that. But we've mentioned before in this episode about how portals may or may not be meeting those needs. But ultimately, looking at it from this perspective, it no longer meets the current consumer expectations. No. So, I mean, everybody wants personalization. Well, I say that. They want it, but they don't want it when they start getting ads on their phone about stuff that they just thought about earlier in the day. No, everybody likes the idea of personalization, you know, p- that anticipatory kind of action. Even back to apps that I use all the time, I mentioned Chick-fil-A earlier. I can just go back in. It knows what I've ordered previously or like, I, you know, I ordered Domino's or uh, Papa John's or something online. Well, I can go back to previous orders. It, just something that, that kind of anticipates what your needs are. In the healthcare space, that's uh, kind of an interesting play. We start talking about privacy and those types of things. They want to be able to have the personalization. They want to be able to navigate their journey. And they, you know, want to be able to accomplish these things through kind of a simplified, you know, singular solution they talk about here. Yeah, it's so simple, right? But that's a big challenge to meet those expectations. Um, And the article goes on to say that they call this the digital front door 1.0 solution, or digital front door 1.0, that old concept of putting together a bunch of tools. It can't support this functionality. The patient portal can serve as like a convenient place to log on during an episode of care, but guiding consumers through their ongoing health journey and maintaining wellness and getting into long-term illness and disease management, that's not what this concept of a digital front door 1.0 can do. Are we even to 1.0? Like, I think maybe this is an oversimplification. I'm not sure we've gotten to this first piece, right? A convenient place to log in. Kind of. I mean, that's like my chart, right? I mean, that's that's kind of what we're talking about here, maybe. My chart with facial ID recognition, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that. Well, I, you know, so the Digital Front Door 2.0 is powered by an integrated CX platform that creates a highly personalized and connected and on-demand health experiences. That sounds awesome. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't feel like that's true. No. um, So it goes into kind of talking about what that looks like. It connects the consumer to the entire healthcare ecosystem. 
and aggregates information from point solutions, systems, and even data sources in a way that's uniquely tailored to health journeys. Just by saying that right there, I'm just not sure. Do we do that? (laughs) What are healthcare ecosystems? Now, I will say, you know, aggregates information from point solutions. Okay. Then using that to create a tailored health journey, eh, that may be a stretch. I get that maybe we're collecting it part. I just don't know how we're using that in a very systematic or uh, automated fashion to create these journeys, but maybe I'm wrong. So it says that these health journeys guide consumers to the right care at the right time, you know, proactive health decisions based on medical histories, uh, et cetera. So I think the most common would be um, we know based on EMR data that it's time for your annual wellness visit or, you know, digital mammogram or something like that. Maybe we kick out a SMS, you know, message you know, to, that, uh, to that effect. You know, we're using information to guide and deliver kind of proactive decision points. Another feature is that it takes into account the total healthcare experience, includes how customers engage with us. So I guess it takes into account their preferences about how they want to communicate with us and bring that into that overall experience. That's what that's getting at. I I, I can understand that. It also uh, enables direct communications between patients and clinicians, helping to build that relationship, thereby trust and and transparency, et cetera. So again, there are some, too, we talked about that, where where potentially they could start charging for emails and stuff like that on a previous episode. But but yeah, there there are ways to to create that two-way communication, certainly. Here's another one. It will allow seamless communication between consumers and healthcare organizations without relying on exclusively on legacy communications such as text messages, apps, or automated phone calls. So what's left? Email? Direct mail? <laughs> You're going to send them a, a postcard? Or tweets? Yeah, we're just going to tweet at them. Facebook Messenger. I'm not sure what's left here. <laughs> this is tough. Maybe we go uh, knock on their door, kind of like you do for like a campaign, you know, whatever. It's like going door to door. Um, so it says, finally, uh, this impactful uh, consumer experience integration allows consumers to move through the healthcare ecosystem freely and removes barriers to make it easier for the consumer to get the care they need when they need it. Sounds great. Sounds so simple. <laughs> I'm just trying to struggle with this, but, you know, how do we get there? I think in my experience, I've been really trying to focus on some very narrow use cases to try to solve those problems. I think I refer to this as like sort of high value care journeys that we have the systems in place and we have the ability to deliver care through digital means. So I know before they talked about like, you know, primary care as being a kind of a targeted use case. That happens to be a really good one that's kind of easy to define. How are you approaching your digital front door strategy, Reed? We've spent a lot of time on people and process, which I think is kind of a forgotten piece of this. You know, I mean, you still have to have, you know, the right people on your team that understand all these parts and pieces, know how to optimize them, how to use them. What are the insights, right? Like, what are we seeing? From there, you know, we're spending a lot of time evaluating the technology that we have today, which admittedly is a lot of point-based solutions, which I think is probably fairly common for a lot of organizations. And then looking at ultimately, okay, well, where do we start? And I think what we've decided is the data and taxonomy 
piece. So the foundational components, how do we create something and how do we spend time developing something that's going to allow us uh, to springboard into some of these other areas quicker. Now we are doing some of the video visits and my chart activations and things like that, that we're learning quite a bit from. Uh, but all the while, you know, we've kind of got to go back and shore up the foundation, which is the data piece. That data layer is not the one that's most prevalent, right? When you, when you talk about going into your da- digital front door strategy and you say, great, let's clean up the data. People are like, no, wait, we want online appointment scheduling. We want all this technology. But we, you and I both know that if you have the data, you have the intelligence and you have the ability to try out different things and measure it and then optimize it along the way. Not truly part of a digital front door. It's almost like saying, well, we want to build a good digital front door. We have to first focus on really strong hinges. People don't want to think about the hinges. They want to think about the door. Let's now turn over to an interview I recently did with Ben Dillon, who is with Geometric. I think a lot of people know Ben. He's been on the show before, but he's been a, he's kind of a big voice in the in the industry. And he and I sat down and talked about where he sees digital front door work being done by all the various clients that his company serves. It's a really interesting interview. So um, after the break, we'll listen to that, and then you and I will be back to wrap up the show ebay motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Welcome back to the Ask the Expert segment of the podcast. And today I am delighted to have back on the show uh, Repeat, uh, Repeat Offender. I'm not sure if that's what I want to call you, but someone that's been on the show before and someone that is very well known in the industry. And I just love talking with you, Ben. Ben Dillon, welcome. Thank you for, for having me. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You and I have known each other for many years. And every time we we see each other, we often have conversations here and there. And I'm just so excited to have a a block of time now where we can go deeper into some topics that are top of mind to us. But before we do, Ben, there may be some people listening in who do not know about you or your company, Geonetric. Do you mind sharing a little bit of your background and your company? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm Ben Dillon. I'm the co-owner and chief strategy officer with Geonetric. Uh, Geonetric is a web development and digital experience agency focused on helping consumers or helping organizations in healthcare to connect with consumers more effectively. Uh, I've been with Geonetric now for twenty three years, twenty two years, something like that, a long time. You know, and along the way, I've had lots of other industry involvement. I had a uh, a long involvement with Shishmed, including a, a now former Shishmed president, a board president, had my, my fingers in lots of other things along the way out there as well. It's, it's been a real pleasure to be able to be involved, not just in my in my organization, but also to, to do other things kind of industry-wide and, and help to, to just sort of support the things that we're all trying to do across all of our organizations. 
Well, you've been a, a great contributor to our industry and to the conversation around digital. And I'm, I'm just thinking like 23 years ago, it was a whole different landscape than it is today. I'm sure you've seen the industry advance over, over that time. Today, Ben, though, I want to talk about a particular term that uh, is used often in our space of late. I would say over the last maybe three to four years, uh, the term digital front door suddenly has gained a lot of mainstream traction within our health systems across the country. And I know since you and Geonetric work with a lot of health systems, you probably see this concept of a digital front door uh, applied across the industry. Let's start off first with like, give me a sense of what you see organizations are doing around this concept of a digital front door. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's such a great phrase, isn't it? And, and everyone hears it and they immediately get some vision in their mind of what it is. And, and over and over again, we see organizations say, yes, I want that. Whatever that particular vision for their, in their head has, has been, they seem to, to really want it. And, and honestly, I think it's, it's responding to a lot of of what we're seeing out there from the different competitive pressures, the different, you know, changing expectations, right? Like the last two years, consumers have been engaging with brands everywhere across the board in, in digital ways like, like they never have before. And we've talked about this before, like consumers' expectations for what they're going to be able to do with a health system is not driven by what your health system's doing, what the health system across the street's doing, right? It, it is their interactions every day with Amazon and, and Uber and, you know, Zoom and, and all these different companies, these brands that they're interacting with all the time digitally. And when we look at that, like healthcare is, is clearly pretty far behind the experiences that are setting that bar, right? Like, you know, I go and I order a pizza, I won't really order pizza from anywhere where I can't see like if the pizza has been made, if it's in the oven, if it's out of the oven in a box, like, like we can track it at such detail. And then honestly, like I go to the doctor and I wait for like an hour cause they're backed up and had no way to like, tell me that. And so the gap between those things is really big. And I think at a high level, like digital front doors and ideas, like how do we, how do we do that same thing? that lots of other businesses, many of them that are, which are also like kind of brick and mortar kinds of businesses. Um, but you know, these, these organizations that we're interacting with all the time, how do we, how do we kind of meet that level of expectations in healthcare? And that can be a lot of things. And I think it's a lot of things depending on what each organization is actually dealing with. Some organizations are feeling a lot of pressure from you know other traditional healthcare competitors that are expanding into their space and maybe it's competitive in the way that they hadn't been before right i think you know there's a bunch of markets out there where there's a bunch of new competition right walmart's getting into this or some some new startup like the number of kind of startups that whose core proposition is something like you know if we just make health insurance suck less then everyone will come to us, right? Or, you know, or, or, you know, the, the, the primary care relationship between doctors and patients is kind of fundamentally broken right now. So if we can, if we can just like make that not terrible, like we can like own the world, you know, there's, it seems like there's a bunch of startups that are just, just trying to come in and disrupt. I mean, this stuff's coming from all, all sorts of different angles. And so some organizations are really feeling a lot of pressure from those things. You know, we certainly have seen patient loyalty, sort of fall apart over the course of the pandemic. I think it was it was more shaky than a lot of us wanted to admit coming into the pandemic. And then we had shutdowns and reopenings and, you know, kind of a rescheduling experience that was far from optimal. And, and honestly, you know, in, 
different markets saw different players kind of step up to really lead the way around vaccinations. But as much as people love kind of healthcare broadly, uh, it wasn't generally the health systems that were the ultimate folks that were putting shots in arms for the largest number of people. I mean, they certainly were contributors in a lot of places. So people were experiencing healthcare in a lot of places where they hadn't experienced healthcare before. Uh, and it turns out that that was okay. So, you know, I think people, consumers are, are much more open to, to shopping and, and looking at different things. Depending which which health system you're talking to, there's some combination of those factors where they're saying like things are things are a little bit broken right now, and we need to compete for every interaction we want to have with consumer. Right? We can't kind of we can't drop the mailer in their box when they move to town, and if we're able to grab them, just kind of depend on them being our patient, quote unquote, until they they leave or, or they you know. Or, or they end, right? You know, we, it's, it's now something where every time someone needs something, there's a whole range of options and, and we need to step up and compete for that primary care visit. We need to compete for that urgent need from a healthcare perspective. We need to compete for that more serious thing that someone thinks they may have and, and won't, you know, there, there's a lot more that they need to do with that. I think that's a different place for us to be as an industry. And so we need, we need a place where that, where that happens, where that, you know, place we, not, not that they have to come to us necessarily at that place, but there needs to be a place that we can send consumers consistently where they can get all the things. And, and they can they can engage with us and connect with us in some ways that maybe they they haven't been able to before and that and and again a huge range of things within that that's the challenge here right because you're right the concept of a digital front door is so easy to articulate and people grasp that they grok that as a you know as we technical people sometimes say right they get it and they're like yeah I want that but then when you start to dive into it a little bit, it could become so immersive and so huge because quite honestly, in my mind, a digital front door strategy is not a technology strategy. It's an experience strategy. Yes. When you when you start to go down that path, it becomes much less clear, right? It's harder to grok, if you will, because it, it suddenly becomes like, well, wait, when we talk about their experience, is that is it the experience on the website? Well, yeah. Is it the experience on an app? Yeah. Is it experience on social media? Yeah. Is it experience in person? Yeah. So suddenly now we're getting into this whole, you know, we're, we're kind of looping back on itself and saying, wait, what is it exactly? In my mind, I think that's the biggest struggle because a lot of organizations, they say we want that, but they don't know what that is. And they sometimes default to, well, it's a website and online appointment scheduling and find a doctor. That's it, right? While that is a digital front door strategy, and at least in my mind, it's really not articulating the full grasp of what it could be. As a starting point, it's this recognition that the you know experience matters and that experience doesn't start when someone walks in the physical door of the hospital. You know, much of the competitive landscape is about creating experience that starts before someone walks in the door and, and hopefully extends long after they walk out the door that is excellent all along that way. Yes, being able to connect people with care. Yes, being able to actually make an appointment, increasingly the ability to actually maybe do that that care appointment or that that interaction with, with providers through the technology as well. Like that is all you know, pretty, pretty important as part of that mix. 
But yeah, as you say, like that has to happen where the consumer is. And that could be on the web. It could be on mobile. It could be an app. It could be, you know, just a a mobile website. I, I do worry that, you know, for some organizations, this has become the new, we need an app, right? It seems like, you know, about eight, 10 years ago, uh, everyone was saying, you know, we need an app. And maybe, maybe it's in cases it was coming from like the board of directors, we need an app. It's like, okay, well, like, you know, what, what problem are you solving? It's like, we, we don't really care. <laughs> yeah, we need an app. That's the that's the the short runaround, right? It's a solution to everything. Well, we'll just build it in an app. And I've been through some like user experience design sessions where we put it right out on the table. We cannot use the term app when we're talking about this because an app is like sort of like, well, we just build an app and everybody will download it and they'll use it. Well, you and I both know that that's not how it works in this world. Many apps that people use, they use it once and then they discard them forever. You know, given this kind of, kind of vagueness about this term, I'd love to hear your perspective, maybe even your definition of what is a digital front door. If I, if you don't mind me putting you on the spot. Yeah, well, and I do think that the ultimate answer is going to be a little bit different for every organization, right? You need to figure out like what the things are you need, what the particular problems are that you have, right? We want to certainly expand access to care. We want to reduce friction. We want to make this this easier for consumers. Um, you know, honestly, we want them to to go to these tools and technologies because it's easier. Than picking up the phone, then it's easier than like walking in the doors of first step. Consumers are hungry for self-service capabilities. Uh, that doesn't mean that like the opportunity to pick up a phone and talk to a real human goes away. But I think we sometimes overestimate how often people want to talk to an actual person. You know, we've got different segments of our market, but the the ability to do all of those things electronically without having to engage a person is kind of baseline or should be baseline. And then if I want to talk to a person that that kind of thing should be there, you know, the ability to, to communicate with consumers throughout their healthcare journey, I think is really, really important. It's, it's one of those things that we have not always done particularly well in, in healthcare overall. And, and again, that's, that's, you know, engaging people early on, that's helping them to, meet their goals from a health and wellness and, and, you know, sometimes fitness perspective that is, you know, teaching them about whatever the issues are that they're, they're dealing with when they want to get that information, how they want to get that information. It's supporting all the things around actually interacting with a provider, right? And we talked a little bit about scheduling. Scheduling is, is one of those precipitating technologies, right? It's, it's a catalyst you know, as we start to crack that nut as an industry and, and are able to do a lot more of that stuff digitally, it's going to fundamentally change the way that a lot of these digital experiences are constructed and how they, how they're put together. But then there's a bunch of things afterwards, right? People have aftercare and they have, they have follow-up things and they have questions that they need to ask and billing is a whole thing, right? Um, you know, yeah, the number of, of organizations where the marketing communication folks are like involved in the billing process or have like reviewed what's being sent to people and actually figured out how that's going to impact people's perceptions of the organization. Because many, many people are getting more touch points from hospital billing than they are from actual like clinical staff. You, know, you, you go once and you might you might be getting four or five or six pieces of paper before it's all done around the billing cycle. And 
and they're they're incredibly confusing. Putting all those pieces together, you know, and and on top of that, you know, nurturing people in the process, right? Like, you know, these are things that people are dealing with long term. How do we prepare them for the next step in whatever that journey is? Or how when they're when they're investigating something, how do we how do we nurture them along the way so that you know they understand what needs to happen when they get to a point where they actually where care is actually appropriate or where you know it makes sense for them to engage with the health system in different ways. Like those are things that as an industry we're not doing particularly well. Really, really focused on that like the moment of decision. Uh, we've kind of neglected almost everything before and after. You're so right about that. We, we we really have. And what's interesting about that is I I remember at one point, and I I forget when I started to learn about the, about these different micro moments within a, a a potential customer journey where they have to make some important decisions. And and if we focus in on those micro moments and make use technology and better experiences with technology to help them through that decision, right through that whatever that might be, it's suddenly you could you could achieve so much more and it could be a very pinpointed approach towards it let's let's say for example you know we you you referred to before patient uh scheduling right online appointment scheduling which is something that a lot of us want to do well if you think about it it online appointment scheduling you can kind of condense it down to you know a few micro moments along that journey there's the searching there's the selecting there's the scheduling, and then there's the going to care. If you just look at those four touch points and align technology and experience around that, I think that could have a tremendous uplift. And it's not like we're boiling the ocean. This is actually something that's a little tangible for us as we start to work on solving these problems. Yeah. And, well, and we think about it, right? This is this is not so different than you know booking a hotel room or booking a flight. Like It's got its own set of complexities. Those other things have their own set of complexities. But you, you think about how when we can get that piece down, how the, the overall experience that we're delivering may shift a lot, right? We have a huge amount of information about our organizations right now. And really, how many people are engaging with us digitally because they just want to make that appointment or they just want to check when their appointment is or they just want to change something about their appointment and they get to the website and, you know, you said that, you know, step one is, is kind of selecting who you're going to have that appointment with. Well, it's few and far between the organization where I can actually search for, say, a primary care doctor based on whether or not they have appointments available next Tuesday, right? And, and that, seems, that seems pretty fundamental. Like if I if I need an appointment next week and I can't I can't search for anything that way, uh, it's it's going to be a pretty frustrating experience, no matter how good the rest of that is. It just it's just not facilitating that that core thing that I want to try and accomplish there. I could see very much the, the core experience, a lot of these things becoming much more like an Expedia experience or Travelocity kind of experience, right? Which is to say that there's lots of information supporting all this other stuff. The main piece of the experience is not for us to tell you how awesome our doctors are. The first part of the experience, the core part of the experience is about actually like connecting me to the care that I want. It's interesting the way you say that, right? It's like connecting you to the care that you want, right? So connecting the care we get, right? That's that's the appointment transaction. But the one that you want, part of that is, do you want to select various doctors or do you want to be led to the doctor that's that we feel, you know, that we can guide you to with, uh, you know, whatever, whatever decision support tools that we can automate? And moreover, 
you want can also be through the channel that you want. So maybe you want to do this through a website. Maybe you don't even want to go to a website. Maybe you want to Google and look for the doctor that's in your area and click on their Google My Business listing, right? And go right to their appointment if you if you have that capability. Or is it through the patient portal? Yeah, I, I brought up the patient portal. But I think the patient portal is part of this experience too. It's just one that we don't consider because that's for the existing patient. The portal is sort of a, again, it's, it's sort of a technical construct to support where we are right now. It's you know, that, that sort of wall garden piece where the interactivity happens that has no knowledge of all of the other things going on within the digital experience um, is probably not the model that makes the most sense over the long term, right? Yeah. I think, I think there, there are certain things that are going to going to happen behind an authenticated experience. But it'd be nice if if the entire experience sort of got smarter as we committed more to it, right? And that could be as you look at more things, as you interact with more things, um, the experience should get smarter. But at the point where you create a login, things should get smarter. At the point where we authenticate that that I'm actually Ben Dylan and not just someone who says they're Ben Dylan, like the, the experience can get smarter. Um, but there's no reason that that piece of thing should be constrained to like the four or five core functions that really happen within within that portal. It'd be nice if that was sort of reflective of the whole experience. You know, I, I see I see this a little bit akin to uh, you know I've, I've got a, a 18 year old daughter who likes to look at a lot of fashion stuff online, and and you know she'll be looking at like a fashion blog or something like that, and it's really shiny and it's well designed, it looks good, and then you know, she sees something she likes and she clicks on it and she gets thrown over to an entirely different universe. That's, you know, a, a different website and it's, it's not as slick. And, you know, oftentimes it's, it's for kind of some iffy brands and, and eventually hopefully the prom dress ar- arrives. Right. But like, but you know, that, that's kind of what we've got right now. Right. We, we have, we have an experience that is the, you can make an appointment experience it doesn't really have like this this really nice find a doctor experience that's that's particularly attached to it. Like maybe there's there's kind of a, a loose connection there where you can hop from one to the other, but it's not really wired together in a way that that makes the most sense or supports what what the patient needs or the consumer needs or what the the organization needs. Right? If I click through and that's the point when I find out this this person doesn't have any patient or any appointments availability for three months. It's not like immediately suggesting other people at that practice who may have stuff uh, available much sooner. Right. Or, you know, there are just lots of ways that the, the experience kind of breaks down because it's in, in two different universes there. And so as we're looking at this and we're, we're playing with it, you know, fortunately with some open API stuff and fire interfaces. And in some cases, like, you know, some more proprietary stuff, Epic, Epic likes to take things and make everything proprietary, but, you know, we can start to, to peel some of those out and feed it into the core digital experience that we're creating for those consumers out there. Start to bring them together and, and blur those lines a little bit more to create an experience that makes more sense to the consumer. We're in a world where we're, Every health system is sort of a Frankenstein of all of these digital technologies. Patchworking them together to have a consistent experience is is pretty challenging to do. But yet, I myself am a little suspicious about these uh, software solutions that are kind of as broad that they could do pretty much everything. 
right all at once. Are we ever going to cross that chasm of like having this disparate disparate experiences, or, or are we going to eventually get to a place sort of like the the internet where we're we we you know the early stages of the internet it was like you go to one website or the other it's completely different. Things are starting to standardize a little bit more. Do you think we're going to standardize in our industry around digital front door stuff? So I think there's some pieces that that will hopefully standardize. There's certainly efforts to try to standardize some of those things. I think there's some places where we are uh, going to do some standardization. There's certainly some efforts to do some of that at least at least create some consistent ways for information exchange to happen. Um, I think there are some more general sort of architectural changes or, or trends within software where things are being componentized and, and you get microservice APIs. And so, yes, we have kind of an out-of-the-box experience, but also we have all of the things you need to build that. So if you want to go through the effort of building an experience that, that fits together with the other things you're doing, that also like interacts with the backend systems that you should be able to do that. Like, it feels like we're moving down that pathway, but it's, it's been slow going. It's been slow going. There are a lot of things. And to be fair, this is happening, not just in healthcare. There's a lot of things going on within the content management and digital experience platform world right now as well, where, where things are getting pulled apart and, and, you know, you're, you're getting these composable architectures and things like that, which, you know, is, is sort of the same idea that I should be able to take a piece from here and a piece from here and a piece from there, get them to talk to each other and play nicely together um, and create experiences out of that. And some of those pieces are going to be generic things like, you know, personalization. And some of those things are going to be more healthcare specific things like scheduling. And hopefully at the end of the day, we'll, we'll have enough flexibility in all those tools and platforms to, to make these things happen. I'm, I'm hopeful. Like there, there, the door has opened up gay far at this point and, and, and there's opportunities to do more of that today than there's ever been in the past. But I do see a lot of organizations also having a hard time letting go of complete control of those things. And, and maybe not completely committing to the idea that in order to do the right thing for the health systems, in order to do the right thing for consumers, that they they need to sort of dictate less control over how everything is going to work uh, when people are interacting with things that may may touch their systems. Well, you know, one way that people that are listening in can kind of start to align and maybe maybe get a, a step in that direction. You have a really good guide that I recently downloaded off your site about reimagining the healthcare digital experience. Um, it's a great ebook that um, I'd like to link to in the show notes. Do you want to share a little bit about what's in there, what what people can expect if they download it? It's talking about a lot of what we've talked about today, thinking about how the world is changing and thinking about what it means and what the pathways are to uh, build a, a digital experience that ultimately works really well for consumers, some of the challenges there, some of the opportunities, some ways to think about things that I think are, are really helpful in, in putting that together. It also has some data out of our most recent uh, survey of the industry. We do a, kind of a more or less annual survey of, of uh, digital health and, and kind of what's going on with health systems in that space. So it pulls in some of the data about where we're doing well and where we're doing less well, where uh, you know health systems feel like 
uh, the most important things are going to be in the future and, and what the gaps are in some of those things. So it, it, I mean, it, it pulls some of that kind of stuff in there as well. But I think as we think about where we are today and where we want to go to, I think it helps set up a nice, a nice framework for organizations to think through you know, what that transition looks like and, and how to go about getting started on a pathway to make some of those things happen. Yeah, well, that it is a great resource. I'm going to link to it in the show notes, Ben. I'm also going to link over to your LinkedIn page and your Twitter account because you're pretty active out there, as well as your website, geonetric.com. Ben, this has been a great conversation. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing some of those insights today, Ben. Absolutely. And thank, thanks for having me and uh, hope to be on again soon. Oh, definitely will be. Take care, man. All right, you too. Bye-bye. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Special thanks to Ben for coming on the show or coming back on the show, maybe I should say. So love to have his voice on the on the uh, episode and, and appreciate his time. Oh, he's excited. I, I'm looking forward to actually seeing him hopefully this year at a conference. Like, you know, who knows? A uh, couple of things here. Quick plug again for the website, touchpoint.health. TPS report. Uh, sign up for that while you're over there. Certainly rate, review, subscribe. That's still uh, some of the best ways folks can find us and um, you know, the subscriber growth and stuff like that over the years has been great. And it's uh, because of all of y'all that are listening. So we certainly appreciate that. Let us know if there's topics or people we should be talking to. Uh, We'd love to uh, continue to kind of build and get some new voices on the show as well. So, all right. What, uh, what do you have today for a recommendation? Well, Reed, this episode will come out right in the middle of retail Haven for many of us who shop online we are in the midst of amazon prime days but there are also um, a number of organizations that are kind of competing or coming up with their own amazon prime days i'm going to recommend that you take advantage of some of these so target has deal days so if you shop at target make sure to go check out their deal days And I'm certainly by giving this as a recommendation, not endorsing these companies, but just saying, take advantage of these days if you're in the market. Best Buy has a Black Friday in July event, which starts about the same time, runs concurrent with with this. Walmart's doing a similar thing. Bed Bath & Beyond is doing discounts. Nordstrom is doing their uh, anniversary sale, which happens around the same time. Wayfair. And even Zappos, remember Zappos, the old the old fun Zappos, yeah. they're also in on this. 
Um, of course, you can link your Amazon Prime account to shop at Zappos, but they're re- they're themselves are doing things directly from their stores. So what I, I guess what my recommendation is, if you're in the market for something, now is the time to purchase it, particularly since a lot of these uh, retail organizations now have had the supply chain demands kind of catch up with them, and they have a lot of surplus inventory on hand. So there's a lot of uh, discounts out there on electronics, on various different things that you're out there for. So that's my recommendation, I guess. Take advantage of all of these Prime Day-like sales that are out there. Nice. like that. I have to check that out. I didn't know uh, I didn't know some of those were still in business. So <laughs> I am going to recommend a television show, a series, and I've recommended the the Bosch series before, right? That's on Amazon Prime and it's based off of uh, some Michael Connelly novels and uh, a particular character named Harry Bosch that's a detective uh, out in LA. And uh, there's a million books that he's a character in. Also kind of intertwined with the Lincoln Lawyer and some of that kind of stuff. Anyway, so if you like those types of things, Bosch is really good. I've recommended it before. Um, Bosch, the series ended. I think there were maybe, I don't know, you watched it, right? Was there like maybe five seasons or so, something like that? I can't remember. Yeah, something like that, about five seasons, yeah. So now there is Bosch Legacy. So it's... It's now what's happening, and I don't want to ruin the end of Bosch, the series, but this is, so you'll need to go watch it first if you haven't seen it. I mean, you'll have to, but this picks up where that left off is the short of it. So again, same character, uh, a lot of the same actors and actresses, I guess all of them are, um, still based on the Michael Conley, and I think he's still consulting and, and some of that kind of stuff. So it's good. So season one is out uh, now. I think there's maybe 10 episodes or something like that. So uh, anyway, it's called Bosch Legacy. It's on it's on uh, Prime as well. So it's a sequel then to Bosch? Is that what it is? Or is it part of the Bosch multiverse? It's, I mean, it's the same thing, but it it is not, I don't want to ruin it. It's, the same characters everybody's the same but the way the Bosch series ends is uh, kind of a finale if you will uh, based on what he is and what he does as a police detective and this is now kind of the next chapter I'll have to check that out All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Uh, Again, another great episode, number 200. It's hard to say. 287 in the books. Now the fifth episode in in our own series around the digital front door. So uh, there'll probably be a sixth. You never know. But uh, we certainly appreciate it. For Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.